Corey or Matt. Hello. So, today we are going to be talking about midnight. Now, I'm slightly worried yeah. that we're not going to have a great deal to talk about in terms of this episode. Uh-huh. So, I saved a little tidbit that okay. I thought we could discuss first. Are you aware of Doctor Who being in the news a fair bit this week? Oh, the the uh, rumours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I watched a lengthy YouTube video. Did you? About uh, how showrunner Chris Chibnall yeah. and Jodie Whittaker were leaving. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it just turns out they're not. Yeah. No, that was just <laughs> a... So the do- there is a segment of the Doctor Who fandom mm-hmm. that is very quick to panic. Mm-hmm. There is, there is a skittishness about certain Doctor Who fans. And also there is another segment who currently... this It's a weird phenomenon, especially with the modern series, where whoever the current showrunner is, they are essentially the Antichrist. Right. And everything was better before they took over. And so Everyone knows yeah. it, Doctor Who was at its best when it was just a policeman walking down the street. Exactly, yeah. It's been downhill ever since. But you still got somewhere... So, for example, when Stephen Moffat was in charge, everyone was saying, he's ruining the show, it's dreadful, bring back Russell T. Davis. And now, when you go on forums, all you will read is, Chris Chibnall is terrible, he's ruining the show, bring back Stephen Moffat. <laughs> and so there are a certain segment of fandom who currently are baying for Chibnall's blood. Mm-hmm. And... The, the thought of him quitting the show under any circumstances uh, just gives them enormous glee. Right. And so it doesn't take much for a rumour like that to spread like absolute wildfire, which is what seemed to happen. And it's funny for me because obviously at the moment, you know, being a dad, most of my time uh, when I'm, I'm either at work or I'm looking after my baby, so I don't really have a lot of anywhere near the amount of time I used to have for being on the internet. So I remember sitting on the loo at about nine o'clock <laughs> in the evening, uh, little little Absorbalos gone to bed. And, and so I'm, I'm just checking up on Reddit and there's this thread with like 200 replies and the, the entire... The, the entire thing has played out from the initial rumour to it gathering steam, being reported and, and twisted and turned in all kinds of different ways and then finally refuted by a BBC inside source all within the space of like 12 hours and it's just whooshed past me um, but yeah no, it, it's, it's amusing this kind of stuff but I would be extremely surprised if there is any real truth to it I do wonder whether after series 12 he might step down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be a shorter tenure than, than we've seen previously in the new series, but not unheard of if you take into account, you know, um, in the classic series, the way some producers would maybe do a couple of series and then move on. And, and my big hope is whether or not Chibnall stays, I think, I think we've yet to see the best from him. I'm hoping that uh, series 12 is going to be stronger overall than series 11 was not the series 11 was a disaster mm-hmm. and I really hope that whatever happens Jodie Whittaker stays on right I do not want Whittaker to be a two series doctor it doesn't feel fair it doesn't, I don't think we'll have had the chance to you know explore every facet in the same way that I would I would love to have had more Eccleston. Mm. 
and just just one more series with Eccleston even would have been enough. But but you feel that with most Doctors, it's it's rare. There are only I think a couple, two or three Doctors if you take into account classic and uh, modern. Where I I would honestly say you know what I had my fill with them. I wouldn't have liked another series. First Doctor, and Pertwee. For I've, you, I've had my yeah. fill of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, after one story <laughs> each. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? Probably Second Doctor as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I really hope what, even where the Chibnall Stable goes, I'd have mixed feelings about that. But if Whitaker goes, I'd be pretty cut up about it. So, the second thing I wanted yeah. to raise, big in the news this week, is we're approaching the 60th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it's not and too far off. there's talk of David Tennant making an appearance. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Now, one thing I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Uh, I watched a short like interview. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, well, you know, I've worked with Matt Smith. I think I don't know. They've probably done some Doctor Who shit together." Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, and Jodie and Peter Capaldi." But he openly said he'd really like to work with Eccleston. Eccleston. Yeah. Yeah. Get him back. Yeah, it will be lovely. He's the trouble is he is he has been the toughest nut to crack. Mm. I think because he left the show on slightly awkward terms with the then current production team and that is an enormous shame but as a result that kind of soured him on the thing as a whole and I, I think it's taken a long time for him to gain a bit of perspective and start to embrace his part within the show's legacy a bit more so he started doing a few convention appearances he started talking a little more openly about his time on the show um I would love even I would you know I would be delighted if they could get you, you know I thought before a big finish the audio production mm. company that do um, like extended universe audio dramas and things like that god if they could just get Eccleston into a recording booth for a couple of days just to yeah. do a few new stories do, oh what a treat that do it for be. us Eccleston yeah just for us no no one else just one fan and one sort of semi-fan wait let's yeah let's just take stock for a second how would you call yourself in any way a fan of Doctor Who no. at this point no no just no no not. it's um, essentially just a burden to you no not necessarily like I don't know how I'd describe it I just sort of do it like <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I like when it's time to sit down and watch it. I'm like, oh, yippee. I'm just like, right, 45 minutes, knock this out, make some notes. Yeah. Yeah. I would describe myself as an enthusiast. Whatever. And then the third bit of news that I want to talk about, going yeah. back to what you've just mentioned there, Big Finish. Yeah. The actress that plays River Song. Uh-huh is recording Big Finish Adventures. Yeah. yeah but she's... not as River Song. She's playing a new character. Oh, is she? Yeah. I, again, I read a thing where she was like, don't just listen to it if you think I'm going to be River Song. Mm. So. Intriguing. Something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah. I would caution you against doing too much Googling around River Song as a character. Yeah. I, I, I literally you... just like, was I just yeah. typed Doctor Who into Google. Then clicked news, yeah, and then just saw what was going yeah. on. You're gonna get you, you. That's you're potentially 
uncorking all kinds of spoilerific things. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, um, so you reckon we're not going to have much to talk about with Midnight? No, like, uh, it, it committed, I think, the biggest crime Doctor Who can commit mm. in that it's quite boring. Like, not a great deal happens this episode. You're pulling a face that makes me think you really like this episode. I think it's a fucking masterpiece. Really? Yes. Like, and I'm not alone in that. Is it, <laughs> did it really just pull the pants off? I just thought, like... <laughs> I mean, the entire episode is just the Doctor in a single room with, like, a stock set of cliché characters. There's a villain that basically does nothing and goes nowhere. It hasn't got enough Donna in it. She's been the best bit this series. She's hardly in this episode. Like, uh, this, for me, was the the fear her of this series. Oh, my God. This this is the, like, the filler episode. Because what are we up now? Episode 10. So this is the budget cut episode before we get to the grand finale. Uh How, How many episodes are in this series? Is it 13? think so yeah yeah so this is the budget cut episode so the next three will be good i'll like the next few episodes but this yeah just like if i i would say there's one part of this episode that's important Mm. but it's not it's not um right um i'm gonna do my best to talk you around, Matt, and tell you why you are extremely, <laughs> extremely wrong about I mean, this episode. For for each episode, I normally yeah. make about three pages of notes. Okay. I've got a page and a half. Okay, so I think what we need to do is first we'll make a distinction between things physically happening and good writing. They are not necessarily <laughs> the same. So, and good television. So, for me, this isn't... Yes, you're right, it's a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, Call of Space Bait is a bottle episode. We've got bookending scenes with Donna, but apart from that, the entire episode takes place on uh, the little shuttle bus thing to the uh, Sapphire Waterfall of Midnight. So, that being the case, it's playing by bottle episode rules. It's essentially a stage play, um, you know, committed to film. But obviously, you've got all the benefits of editing and scoring and, and you you really can get up close with the performances and if nothing else this episode contains I think well I would say many great performances but at the very least uh, David Tennant and also the, I'm going to look up her name the lady who plays Sky Silvestri Leslie Sharp I both think do incredible performances in this episode see I, I might be embittered towards this episode yeah. Because this week I've had a terrible experience on a bus myself. <laughs> now, I, 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 I didn't want to sort of tell you this story earlier because I yeah. thought I might tell it now. Yeah. So, last weekend, travelled down to Somerset with my wife for a friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. Our idea was we'd get the overnight bus, we'd sleep on the bus, we wouldn't have to worry about travel. Yeah. So, we left Bra- York... Brave people. That, that's a fair distance for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we left York... At about one in the morning. Yeah. So we had to travel to York, get the bus from there. Got on the bus, headphones on, podcast on, fell asleep. A couple of hours later, we arrived at uh, services. At which point, 
the trip took a turn because uh-huh. we were picking up some passengers and there was a group that I can only describe as the worst women on earth and they, <laughs> they ran some sort of dance company and I wish I wrote the name down so I could send them an email of complaint <laughs> and they basically got on the bus and they couldn't fathom that they couldn't all sit together because obviously the bus had left Newcastle I think <laughs> so the bus was pretty full and there was like yes. odd seats and they were just shouting like why can't we sit together we've got children with us it was like well book your fucking seats yeah so thankfully before they got to the point on the bus where I was sat someone had told them to shut up and sit down <laughs> but they'd basically like soured the entire mood on the bus uh-huh. so by that point I was about 11 out of 10 on the rageometer it's the closest I've probably ever come to punching a woman mm-hmm. and then <laughs> then as the bus set off we'd, we'd gone a little bit maybe an hour from these services one of them just threw up all over herself made no effort to get up and go to the toilet just plus didn't alert anyone to this Uh so she just sat covered in vomit fucking stinking right at which point when we reached the next stop which I think was Milton Keynes so Uh a fair journey yeah and my wife said oh there's a like, a lady been sick all over herself like have you got anything on the bus that we can use to like clean the seats and they were like just like no so we couldn't... This woman didn't even take her hoodie off and, like, bag it up. Jeez. Oh, I hate people. <laughs> well, you see, if you hate people, I feel like you should get something out of this episode because thematically, what's this episode about? It's about... People being shit. Yeah, just the, the it, it, inherent awfulness of human beings when put under stress. Hmm. And I think that's... This is why I love this episode. It's because it's not just... It could be just filler. But it's not because I feel like RTD, who wrote this episode, has more to say in this than he has in any episode he's written to date in Doctor Who. I feel like this is him sort of laying his mind bare Hmm. uh, and really getting through to the... uh, Rather a, a, a cynical and misanthropic um, view of humanity but not necessarily an incorrect one (laughs) Um, I think it's incredible writing I think it's incredible performing I think the the, the direction the the music it's all on point and I can see how if you're not in the right frame of mind for it it's just going to rub you up the wrong way but if you let this episode in it's a masterpiece it is an absolute masterpiece. Agree to disagree. Okay, shall we leave it there? Yeah. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Come on, let's get through this. It, this is going it to opens tough. in a futuristic city. Yeah. Donna's at some sort of day spa, just relaxing, chilling. It's referred to as a leisure palace, there you I go. believe. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. they've seen some shit recently. She's just having a day off. Yeah, I, I, I love that we're getting this as well because obviously when she's first getting on board the TARDIS, She's basically treating it like a holiday. She's, you know, she's packed her suitcases. She's got a hat box. Yeah, yeah uh, this uh, is what she's wanted all along. Yes, yeah. So the Doctor keeps suggesting adventures to her. Why don't we go see this? Go see that. She just says no. She's yeah. just, just chilling by so, the pool under the exotonic rays. So he's decided he's going to go see a sapphire waterfall. Yeah, without her. 
and it is four hours by space truck yeah and that's where we get the titles so it's an adventure the doctor on his own on a bus yeah so we then are introduced to some of the other people on board yeah so we meet professor hobbs indeedy Yes. Unsurprisingly, Professor Hobbs is an archaeologist because everyone's a fucking archaeologist. <laughs> and uh, do you know who he's played by? Uh, you might have to remind me. David Troughton. Right. Any relation to Patrick Troughton? His son. Oh, God. And it's uh, David Troughton. This Troughton's... is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Everyone's related. Yeah. And it's uh, his second uh, appearance in Doctor Who. Okay. Having previously played the young King Peladon in uh, The Curse of Peladon. You're not going to force me to watch that, are you? No, we've done Pertwee now. Is that the one that's meant to be really good? What was the one that I told you was like the number one? Oh no, that's Caves of Androzani. Right. It's just made up words, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Then we're introduced to a family that's just parents and an angsty teen. Yeah, and I I like that they... Yeah, it's almost like you've just taken a a stereotypical you know slightly shitty family yeah but from present day earth and you just plonked them on this alien planet and, and that's exactly you know exactly what they are it's like they just have that kind of they're not bad people necessarily but they're just they don't understand their son no because they're like oh why don't you come sit with us yeah. and he's like oh god yeah leave me alone yeah because he's just at that age where they're like oh you're happy for us to pay but you you know you don't want want to sit with us and yeah. Um, yeah, so you're not necessarily you know you're not necessarily seeing them at their best either, but but they don't endear themselves. No one in that family endears themselves to you initially. No. And then I've just called the next character Moody Woman. Okay. Yes, that's the guy. There's just a the Moody Woman. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we later work out why maybe she's a bit moody. Yeah. But that that was my attitude on that bus journey. Yeah. Sit at the front. Don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah, don't want to even look at anyone. Just ignore it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the only other person we see on board so far is uh, the hostess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember her name. I don't think I've written it down. Well, you know, we'll get we'll address that. It comes yeah. up later. Uh, so they set off, and all the onboard entertainment sort of goes off at once, and it's yes. like yeah. a weird fever dream, like an <laughs> yeah. acid nightmare. See, again, I really like this. I feel this is a, a lovely bit of. RTD sort of social commentary so the hostess is you know she's been handing out the juice packs and the complimentary nuts which may contain nuts and you know things like that come on you there, there is some playful writing here that's quite fun I think and so she's like introducing so you know we've got uh, so these like little video streams come down so we've got you know music from it's like I think they were retro earth classics they call it so it's just like playing some like top of the pops two shit um and then it's like, and we've got this art installation from some, you know, famous artist of the time, and it's just like lights and a completely different soundtrack, sort of noises blaring. And then a central video screen comes down playing like ancient archive cartoons, like Betty Boop cartoons and stuff at full blast. And it's just complete cognitive dissonance, complete sensory overload. But I feel like it's commenting on the way it, that that seems to be where our society is heading you walk through a city centre now and it's fucking advertising screens and, and 
shops blaring out music and you know and people staring at their phones absorbing information whilst listening to something in their earphones whilst trying to have a conversation with someone else. It, it, we are trending towards that it seems like just you know i mean just think about how often do you watch tv with phone in hand so dual screening you know yeah. all the time i do it as well so I think, and it's just like but there was a time when that wasn't an option and people would just sit and watch TV and pay attention and that was the thing that was entertaining you. But now that somehow that's not enough. We need to be absorbing a story on screen whilst also reading the news and talking to our friends about something completely unrelated. Yeah. So, they all become great mates. Well, what, having okay. right so what happens is, because you've got this kind of sensory overload, the, the Doctor... That's right. Sneakily Sorry. gets his sonic screwdriver out, just switches everything off. Yeah. And like the hostess is there with the button like, just, like clicking like, oh dear, there seems to have been a bit of a malfunction. And the doctor sort of sighs and says, Ah, well, I suppose we'll just have to talk to each other for four hours then. So And they're yeah. having a right laugh. Yeah, yeah. So you All apart of... from the horrible teenager and the moody one. Yeah. So again, I, I I like this moment. So we get we've seen we've seen those parents uh, I'm going to look up the names of the characters. So it is um, Val and Biff yeah. are the couple. Biff. Biff. Yeah. Oh, fuck its name. It's like, the future, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not Back to the Future. It's not <laughs> Biff Tannen. Uh, maybe. Maybe a direct reference. Who knows? Um, but anyway, so, so Val and Biff. Biff. Like, who calls a child Biff? <laughs> I remember thinking that when we used to read Biff, Chip and Kipper. <laughs> and I was just like, who calls kids that? <laughs> Maybe nicknames? Biff. Biff. Right, from now on, your nickname's Biff. Oh, right then. <laughs> Never actually had a nickname, you know. Well, you do now, Biff. Yeah. Yeah, let's see how long that gets sustained for. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, so so you see them at their worst, like just sniping at their, at their moody teenager. But now they've kind of loosened up. They're having a chat with the Doctor, telling a story of, like, from I think from some previous holiday... Of how, and it's like, I like the I like the little details in this. So like, you know, it's obvious that this is one of their go-to funny stories, and the bloke's being very self-deprecating about, you know, oh, he's gone down to this, you know, in this hotel, and he's gone down to the pool. He's wearing like flippers and and uh, nose clip, and and you know, this alien is, you know, explains to him that the pool is abstract. <laughs> it's just just an abstract concept. It's not an actual pool that he can swim in and but like when it reaches that punchline the pool is abstract like it cuts to Jethro and he's like slumped in the corner mouthing along because he's heard this story so many times and Jethro who calls yeah. a child Jethro um, right, some of it man <laughs> right we then yeah. have a conversation between the doctor and moody woman and we find out that she was recently dumped and she becomes a bit nicer yeah opens up a bit uh, divorced, I think. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Or maybe separated. I don't know whether they've actually been divorced yet. But, uh, but, uh, and she says, you know, it's the same, same old story. She said she needed her own space and moved to a different galaxy, which is probably far enough. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she's kind of having this this uh, holiday as a bit of a decompression, I think. And then Professor Hobbs says there was no life in this solar system before yeah. the Leisure Palace. Yeah, so we've, so we've cut, we've, we continue the montage of getting to know everyone, 
he's and yeah it's cut to him doing a little presentation because I think he's already said that you know he's been on this um, trip 14 times previously that's right he's he's an academic who's, who has studied midnight in great depth and is fascinated by the planet um, so yeah he's so he talks about midnight is yeah it doesn't can't sustain life it, they keep referring to the fact that the sun is exotonic so basically the rays are so powerful that they would just you know basically kill you within yeah. a couple of minutes and you know so like the, the the leisure palace where don is staying it's like under like 15 foot thick glass you know special glass that can withhold it and, and stuff and there are no windows on the uh that's right they've all got those like solar shields yeah. that we saw from yeah the end of the world yes because i think basically that until they get to the point where they're actually viewing the thing, you know, those shields can come up and they can actually view the waterfall for for like a couple of minutes, basically, yeah. by the sounds of it. So, at this point, the vehicle stops suddenly. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> and the doctor goes to talk to the drivers, <laughs> yeah. and they can't explain the stoppage. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. Yes, yeah. That's the driver, Joe and Claude. Yeah, well, people with sensible names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Driver Joe and the the trainee mechanic. Yeah. So, so yeah, they they've already spun some story about you know saying that oh we're just stabilizing the fuel. It's fairly routine. It's you know it's a thing that happens. And the doctor just sort of rattles and says, well, I mean, looking at this, 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 and this, this is you know you don't have that kind of engine, so that's not it. So, what's really going on here? Yeah. And they say, basically, not a clue. Just stopped, but don't worry. Rescue vehicles on the way. Be about an hour. So, Claude the, yeah. wants the Doctor makes them open the window so you yeah. can see what's going on. Yeah. Cause see something running towards them. Yeah. So, so again, like the Doctor's kind of like, just like the little devil whispering in their ear, basically just says, come on, you know, live a little. You can, you, the, 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 the glass on the front of the thing will withstand it. You could have a couple of minutes to look outside. And they're really nervous about doing it, but they do. So they open it up and they look. And it is, the scene outside, it, it is beautiful. It's, mm -hmm. it's like these desolate diamond structures they look you know they're like cliffs and and, and plateaus and um they almost look they almost look like some of them could be buildings but yes they're not you know it's um but it's completely empty and it's a beautiful this in, intense bright light that everything is is shining in and yeah and then Claude three says what's i saw i think you know, th thought you saw like a shadow or something moving out there and then they start to close the screen because you know obviously it's not gonna you know they can only last for so long and then it's just like bah, 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 just like just as it's closing yeah and uh, that's that so all the panic all the passengers begin to panic that they'll run out of air yeah Dee well, says they're absolutely fine. They can survive for like 10 years based yeah. on the air circulatory system. Yeah, so basically the, the doctors got back from the thing and they immediately start grilling him and uh, there's this rising sense of panic. And mm. So you've got, yeah, Val and Biff are just like, you know, Val in particular is, is going like, oh my God, we're going to run out of there. Um, <coughs> the, Professor Hobbs is, is basically saying like, they, they don't stop. Why is it stopped? They, these, you know, vehicles... They never stop, and you know, to which I say, well, but look, it has stopped. Accept it, but he's like almost unwilling to accept reality, and so you've just got this discordance of all of these people starting to panic. Yeah. 
So then there's a banging on the yes. ship. Yeah, which shuts everyone up. Yeah. <laughs> so they say it could be the metal cooling <coughs> and contracting, or it could just be rocks. Neither yeah. of which are really that great a scenario. No. Um, but yeah, there's a continuing banging on the ship. Yes. Yeah. And is that this is I think where the doctor kind of experiments, and so that it's it's like quite a steady bang, 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 like three bangs. So then he goes, I think does four bands, like one, two, three, four. There's a sort of eerie pause, and then one, two, three, four bangs back. So, so Hobbs says that there shouldn't be anything out there. It's impossible because of the extonic sunlight. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the doctor sort of, I think, chastises him earlier. Says, "Look, you know, you've maybe got a narrow definition of life. Mm. We don't. We can't say for certain." Now, for seemingly no reason whatsoever, Sky, the moody woman begins panicking and says it's coming for her but there's absolutely no reason other okay. than the sound seems to be loudest nearer her yeah i think it's more just because of her mental state you know we've already talked about the fact that she's not necessarily in a good way you know she's had a really messy breakup um and is trying to sort of relax and maybe you know maybe she's or you know was already anxious and now all of a sudden she's in this high intensity situation and yeah we don't know we don't know the full detail of gospel we, we don't need to we just you know we can just imagine that, that for whatever reason this is triggering an anxiety for her and uh yeah so she she just becomes convinced that it's it's whatever uh, this thing is it's somehow coming for her then we get a big crash and all the lights go out. Yeah. And this is where we get the one good part of this episode. Uh-huh. Because when the systems reboot and the light comes back on, Rose appears on the screen behind the Doctor. <laughs> I would say that's the worst bit in this episode. Really? It's, it just it's feels the only like... bit that matters. But do, what, what does it do? How does it advance things? It just reminds us that Rose is coming. Yeah. She's on her way. Yeah, great. Um, so... Yeah, we we get that for a second, but and then it sort of settles back down again, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, settles down just enough for the driver's little compartment to get ripped off. Yeah, which is slightly worrying. Yeah, goodbye, so, Joe. Goodbye, Claude. Yeah, they are dead. Yeah, they're reduced to dust. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, exotonic uh, rays will do for you. Yeah, is it exotonic or extonic? Now, when all the lights have come on and everyone's talking, they then realise that Sky Silvestri is just sort of catatonic in the corner. Yeah, she's just sort of sat huddled. And I've written in my notes, when she turns around, she's clearly bonkers. Yeah. And again, great performance, right? Because it's all in her eyes. She's not doing anything else. It's all in her eyes. That is good acting. She repeats everything that they say. <laughs> Let's just move on from yeah, whether okay. this is good or not. Okay. So everything they say, she repeats after. In yeah. the way that a child would when they're trying yeah. to annoy you. Except her tone of voice is kind of weirdly monotonous. and Yeah, it's emotionless yeah. and just 
straight. And she just won't stop being, and it literally anything anyone says. And obviously, again, the anxiety starts to, to, to ramp up. People are getting tenser and tenser. Um, because the way she repeats yeah. following what they say speeds up to the point she's able to repeat at exactly the same time. Yeah. So but, but before we get to that point, like we get, um, I, I think the, the, the doctor, like, first of all, like everyone's sort of like babbling at once and she's somehow managing to, to, switch between everyone and just everything and I don't know if you noticed like again a lovely little character moment for Jethro he he sort of gleefully says 666 because <laughs> he's like always enjoying the kind of demonic vibe basically from, mm. from what's happening um, so yeah and then I think the doctor starts reading off the square root of pi yes and so just like this flurry of numbers and she just perfectly Mimics each and every one, just a split second behind. Did do you like the character of Jethro? I think he's a well-written character. Wouldn't want to hang out with him. Mm, but bit of an arsehole. Yeah, absolutely. But again, it's it's, it's that distinction between uh, is a character good because you want to go drinking with them, or are they good because they're just well observed and well written? And I think absolutely every single person, with the possible exception of Dee Dee, who seems quite nice. Yeah. If a bit boring, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be quite interested to hear about the lost moon of Poosh, yeah. which is uh, what she wrote her dissertation on. <laughs> which again, that is such RTD writing. Lost moon of Poosh makes it up. Yeah. So um, Jethro says perhaps the reason it got Sky was because she was the most scared. Yeah, it's not a bad theory because mm. she certainly was. I'd be mad if I hadn't thought of that, and Jethro had. Yeah. I just <laughs> shit. <laughs> so everyone debates throwing her out. Yes. And they it, all want to. Yeah, well the hostess is the first to say it. Yeah. She just says, We should throw her out in like this horrible conspiratorial fashion. And then Biff and Val quickly jump on board. Uh Dee Dee protests, but you know, she's quite a small, meek sort of person. She's not really gonna be able to overrule everyone and Professor Hobbs is just sort of like paralysed in panic. He's like, he's becoming increasingly sort of spineless and, and non-committal. So the doctor yeah. argues and says we shouldn't throw her out. Yeah. Yeah. So their counter-argument is they're just going to throw him out as well. Yeah. And in my notes I've just put, they now all hate the doctor. Yeah, yeah. They turn quite quickly, don't they? But again it's it's that thing where we have seen the doctor in so many situations stride in and take charge and that's exactly what he's trying to do here but no one's got any time for but him. no but it's it, all the usual tactics are just not working because I think it's too close quarters and the anxiety still that and at the end of the day he doesn't have any answers mm. he, he he's as not quite as powerless as everyone else because he's got his sonic screwdriver and he's got his brain but as things stand he has no solution for them all he is really advocating for is just standing back and letting things take their course because what he wants what he needs is more information he needs to get to that point of understanding so that he can make the right decision but there 
the, the sort of blind, petty human panic is kicking in and not allowing him to get to that point. Um, so, yeah, so they're starting to turn on him. And, and is this the little moment where where Valen Biff like, well, well, who put you in charge anyway? Yeah. You know, and well, he sort of says, I don't, I don't know if this is the exact point or not, but he says, well, it's because I'm clever. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not enough, is it? You know, and, and you're like, it, and it's just like, it's arrogance without substance. And we're kind of seeing almost the worst side of the doctor here, mm. where it is just this like assumed authority and the arrogance that goes with that. But with nothing to back it up. But the good news is to endear yeah. himself to everyone, Sky just stops repeating the Doctor. Sorry, it stops, stops repeating, repeating everyone, everyone but the Doctor. Yeah. Yes. So clearly he's just been singled out again yeah. as different. Yeah. And so he sort of. So that, that, like, there's this sort of sense of relief, but now also he is. Yeah, he is yeah. now become part target. of whatever is yeah. going on. And so he sort of hunkers down next to Sky, doesn't he? And, and starts sort of experimenting with her and sort yeah. of reading off things she wouldn't know. Like he he reels off some, some names, Rose Tyler, um, Martha Jones, Donna Noble. And she just, you know, goes through them. So he works out that it needs his voice or something. Yeah. There's something yeah. about his voice. I don't think that's ever resolved. Um, yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> but then... Sky begins speaking before the Doctor. So yes. We've reached a point where the copying's got so fast, it's yeah. now occurring before yeah. the Doctor's even said it. Yes. At which point, the Doctor becomes sort of fixed in, in the same kind of way that Sky had been. Yes. Um, so he's kind of just staring blankly and madly at the wall, and Sky sort of saying, oh, look at that talk i can move and it's like it's this very weird calm mm. measured so there's a more, I, i've put yeah. in my notes uh that she's all right now but noticeably evil yes yeah because <laughs> everyone just goes oh she's fine yeah she's not fine no she's she's mad as a box of and again it's, it's it's like he's dd versus everyone else at this point um uh because like the hostess uh, Val and Biff and, and Jethro. Uh, well, in fact, no. Hostess Val and Biff really are the cheerleaders for. Yeah. Uh, 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 like Jethro's a little sort of on the fence. Hobbs is just useless. Yeah. Um. And but but Val in particular is, is that saying no? Because I saw I saw with my own eyes. Like it, it passed from her into him. Yeah. And like we didn't see that. No, we saw that. Um. And you know, like. And 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 Dee Dee's saying like no 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 that's not what happened this that, this isn't Sky but they've no way of knowing because you know there's no there's no physical sign really mm. it's just their behaviour that they're that they're having to to go off of um, and so Val and Biff again are like come on let's throw let's throw him out and the hostess is always getting set, getting cold feet on her idea at this point she's like she was the one who seeded the idea of like. Let's throw, let's throw them out. But now that it's starting to happen, she's like, "Oh, I, I don't know." But yeah, Biff kind of like just grabs the doctor, doesn't he? And just starts yeah, dragging to throw him. him out. Yeah, and, and, and sort of shouts at Hobbs to to, to help, and, and and he's just like, "Oh!" 
and, and he's like, come on, what are you, you coward, man? And so he sort of, and I love this moment again, again, it's, you know, I'm just going to keep repeating it. Great bit of character writing. He sort of stumbles up and sort of just sort of grabs his arm. Like, yeah. like, like Biff's already got him under the shoulders. And Hoff just sort of like meekly grabs on the doctor's arm. He's like, he's like oh, not like that. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, that almost reminds me of when, full disclosure, my partner is the only one with any practical uh, ability in our household. I am completely useless at things like DIY and, uh, DIY and stuff. So she does all of the, if, if a shelf needs putting up or, 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 or something needs bodging or fixing, she's the one to do it. And occasionally she will ask me to like, just hold something in place or something yeah. for her. And I'll, and I'll try it. And she'll be like, no, not like that. Come on, don't you? And I just like, everybody just like, just being, just being a completely impractical, useless person in high pressure situations. So, um, yeah, so but that's what he's attempting to do. Yeah. So as they're going to throw the doctor out, yeah, he says Alonzi. Uh, well, no, uh, Sky, Sky. Sorry, says Alonzi and Malfabene as well, yeah. which are obviously phrases we've heard uh, the Doctor trot out in this episode and in previous ones. So the guide realizes that there's still some part of the Doctor in there. Yes. So grabs hold of Sky and blasts the pair of them out the airlock. Sad, isn't it? Yeah, but she sort of take, takes action, and and it and we get that sort of moment of relief. And like the, the doctor is like you can tell he's being released from whatever it was, um, and he's just lying on the floor gasping, just saying it's gone, it's gone, it's yeah. gone. And cut to a few minutes later, the world's most awkward silence. Yeah, these people are like huddled in corners just festering it, it you know you know the, the coming down from the adrenaline and, and everything else and the doctor says the hostess she saved us what what was her name nobody nobody knew knows name. nobody knew her name i'm just putting my notes a bit sad yeah but not all sad because the doctor reunites with donna yeah he's clearly been through some been through the ringer uh, has himself a hug yeah, and sort of obviously, like you cut to a little bit later, he sat down with it with a drink. He's telling Donna what's happened, and I think she says something like, "Are you all right?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." Multibene, and she yeah. says, "Multibene," <laughs> and his last line is, "No, don't, don't, don't do that." that. I, okay, on if you are looking at Doctor Who as a big story like a big epic you know overarching story this episode doesn't move anything forward sure fine whatever as an individual 45 minute piece of television that tells an a, a, a fable of what humanity is capable of at its worst when we feel backed into a corner when the animal instincts kick in it's it's Lord of the Flies and you know stories like that. It's playing in that vein. But I I just feel the fact that there's an enemy that we don't see. Yeah. We don't know what its agenda is. Yeah. We don't know what it wants. Yes. I think that takes from the episode. 
I no, I think it absolutely adds to it. I love the mystery of it because at the end of the day, I think the other thing that I wanted to mention that one of the things I think that makes it really stand out, the Doctor loses. Mm. He loses big time. He never gets his answers. He doesn't save anyone. If the hostess hadn't made that choice, he could have been trapped with, you know, Sky could have gone sauntering off with some semblance of his consciousness mixed with the consciousness of the midnight entity as it's known within the fandom, whatever that is. Um, And stuck forever. This this emptied out shell. So it's the actions of others that save him, which we have never seen before Mm. at any point in this show. We've, we've seen the Doctor make mistakes sometimes in the past, but we've never seen him just flat out lose. And that's fascinating. Yeah, I suppose. I really feel like, give it, I'm not saying go do it, you know, today or whatever. At some point, maybe before we do our series wrap up, if you're going to rewatch any episode, maybe revisit this one. I'm not going to watch it any episode. <laughs> Oh, I'll man. call that now. I wish it. I wish. I might wish. watch Blink again. You see, I, but this is the. I would rank it up there with the likes of Blink. No, easily. Silly. This is a ten out of ten for me. No, I'd give this a four at best. Jeez. Well, I mean, we'll touch on it again when we when we're we're doing our rankings and and whatnot. But um, so before we get there, yeah. We're reaching the end of the series. We are. We've got three episodes left. Yes. Now, last series, we sort of had a three-part finale. Yeah. I, I don't really want any spoilers, but yeah. uh, have we got that again, or is it a one, then a two? I'm not going to tell you. Um, well, I can tell you the next week we're just going to be talking about one episode, it's, which is Turn Left. Right. But that's whether right. or not that's me pulling a utopia on you again. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You'll find out. But yeah, so next week uh, we will be discussing Turn Left. Until then, thank you very much for listening. The, or for all the hardcore Doctor Who, Who fans out there who, like me, consider Midnight to be an absolute masterpiece of Doctor Who, well done if you've gotten to this point without just sort of punching through a wall. Get a life. <laughs> <laughs> There's other things out yeah. there in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, this is a commitment for me. <laughs> to think this is some people's hobby upsets me. On that note, thanks very much for listening. Until next week, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who film.